0: There we are. All right, well, no idea what that was all about. Just had to, I essentially had to turn it off and turn it back on again. Uh, Sometimes that's just the way it has to happen. Um, So here's this super fun gag that I did at the beginning and it was ruined because I didn't have any sound. Hello and welcome back to the Wizarding News Network. (laughs) My name is Sam and I'm going to be taking you on a journey today through chapter 26 of Harry Potter and the... Goblet of Fire. Now, not only that, um, as you can see, uh, between the sound and the video, uh, things are super weird, huh? (laughs) I'm in a different spot today, a very different spot. I'm about 2,000 miles from my usual spot. Um, Let's see. Okay, I want to jump into chat really quick. Uh, Rachel says, why is it that a sad yellow marshmallow 12 seconds into being heated into the microwave?
1: What even is that? Oh, okay. uh, Menurontu, I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce
0: your name, but welcome very much. Uh, Nathan, Michaela, hi. Rachel, how's it going? Uh, thank you for the vote of confidence, Luke. And Nikki, welcome. Hi, just wanted to say that I absolutely love listening to you, but I never get to when you're live, and I have to leave because I'm on chapter 23. But I love you and your voices and your laugh. Thank you very much. I very much appreciate it. <laughs> I have a special guest today. I have a very special guest. Um, this is a name that you will all have heard. Um, I mention it fairly regularly. Um, I would like to welcome to today's stream, my my very number one original OG fan.
1: Hi. This is Rachel. Hi hi this is my sister rachel she has been a
0: fantastic fan of this little fun hobby thing that i do uh since the very beginning uh super encouraging and i appreciate her jumping into all the streams um that she's been in like the she she for a long time was the only person who would ever show up hi to rachel everyone hi rachel And, Luke, um, one of us actually only does exist on the internet. But the question is... <laughs> Which one of us is it? That's right. Today, chapter 26 of Harry Potter. And the uh, the Goblet of Fire. Yes, I do keep forgetting it. I don't want to hear about it. It happens. Um, today might be a little, little odd on the mic side, perhaps. Um, it seems that I'm going to have to hold it like this. I think we should do just fine. But... Um, you know it's going to be a little odd. Michaela says hi Rachel. Uh, Luke says
1: spooky.
0: I'm excited today because I let's see I've done streaming from different locations before. I can't remember if I've streamed from here before. I don't think I have. I considered it. Um, but uh, yeah I'm I'm on a trip and I'm very excited to be back with you guys. So let's get into it shall we? As usual, a brief review of what we learned last week. Um, And also, I have some bad news. Uh, In spite of the fact that I have jumped up considerably in subscribers, I didn't bring the beans with me. Which means... uh, It means decent news for me tonight. It means terrible, terrible, terrible news for me in about a month. (laughs) Um, There are so many beans. I'm going to have to take care of so many beans. I'm an, it's just going to be the bean stream it's going to be bean stream <laughs> Harry Potter ASMR Sam eats beans chapter 24 Rita Skeeter's scoop we got um, got a different look at Hagrid than we usually do through the eyes of uh, a, just a terrible woman um, she is Rita Skeeter she is a journalist hmm I'd like to think the term journalist carries some more responsibility than she seems to apply to it. But she is a journalist, and uh, she writes an article about Hagrid titled Dumbledore's Giant Mistake. Um, It seems that she somehow found out about Hagrid's uh, being half-giant. Harry and Ron found out, but only because they were in the wrong place at the wrong time. They thought they were the only one. Um, Michaela says, no beans, we riot. Menu says the entire box all at once that's what Cassidy's been suggesting um, to me it seems like it just reduces it reduces the punch of the individual bean but I'm no I'm not a bean engineer I'll leave it up to Jelly Belly for that Hagrid of course is devastated um, it seems that the wizarding community at large is very much anti-giant and anti-half giant Not only that, but the sub who fills in for Hagrid seems to be doing a pretty good job. Um, They go down and try to bang on Hagrid's door, get him to come out, but he doesn't seem to be.
1: No, he doesn't seem to be uh, very accessible right now. He doesn't answer the door. There's another issue the egg. Harry got a golden egg during uh,
0: his first task, and now he is tasked with um, essentially solving the riddle of the egg when it opens. It makes this terrible squealing noise, this wailing sound, and uh, he has been having the darndest time figuring out what it is. Ludo Bagman offers him some help, perhaps perhaps a suspicious amount of help, to be honest. Uh, It doesn't seem like he's helping any of the other contestants,
1: even, um, even Cedric Diggory. General, how's it going? Um, let's see. The Ludo Bagman's being odd with some uh some goblins.
0: They finally get in uh to Hagrid's cabin. He's been bawling his eyes out and Dumbledore himself is is down there trying to reason with Hagrid. He insists that uh I'm all right, General. Um I will say, uh, I'm feeling feeling very faint, very jaundiced. <laughs> uh, if there's anything stressing me out, it's my hair. It's just the flyaways drive me nuts. All right. Um, Dumbledore is insistent that Hagrid will keep his job. He will not bow to the pressure because, of course, um, let's see. I, li- I really like the line that he has. Um,
1: if you are looking for universal approval, what is it? Really Hagrid,
0: if you are holding out for universal popularity, I'm afraid you will be in this cabin for a very long time. I think that's an excellent line. Never hold out for universal popularity, nobody's going to get it. Matter of fact, I had somebody, I had somebody in the uh, comments tell me to stop doing the voices and just read it in my normal voice. Oh it's uh that's alright I get it but uh you know what not everybody's gonna love the same things about, about things that you do not everyone's gonna love the same things you do and uh not everything not everyone's gonna love the same things about something that you do even if you both love the same thing uh, General asks do you have Victorian fainting sickness I must somebody get me some absinthe so we learned a little bit about uh a little bit about Hagrid's relationship with Dumbledore uh, it seems like the two of them... Uh, it seems like Dumbledore has done a lot for Hagrid. And because of that, Hagrid is very loyal. Um, in the next chapter, Harry finally puts his pride away and takes Cedric Diggory's advice to take a bath with the egg. Not advice, right? Moaning Myrtle pops up. That's a little disconcerting, huh? Um, she just sort of peeks out in the darkness, in the uh, in
1: the shadows, while Harry is preparing to take a bath, she's a weird one. She's an odd one. I've yeah.
0: General, fetch me my snuffbox box. Menu. Thank you very much. Menu says, "I love your voices." It really brings me into the story. I like doing it. Okay, so he takes a uh, quick bath with it and comes to find this uh this poem which I read to to the tune of some some uh I'll just call it classic um (laughs) sort of uh, I suppose uh religious (laughs) rite music um come seek us where our voices sound we cannot sing above the ground and while you're searching ponder this we've taken what you'll sorely miss an hour long you'll have to look and to recover what we took but past an hour the prospect's black too late It's gone. It won't come back. Hmm. Harry's not exactly sure what that means, but uh, something involving the water, and he's able to suss out, there's something about merpeople in the lake. I don't know exactly what it's all about, but um, after leaving the bathroom, Harry is preparing to go back to bed, and sees on the map Bartimaeus Crouch? He's supposed to be sick, but Harry sees Bartimaeus Crouch's little dot on the uh, Marauder's map, and it's poking around in Snape's office. Harry's under the invisibility cloak, but he gets his leg caught in the trick step, and Peeves comes by, and then Filch shows up with his cat, and then Snape himself is there, and who comes along but Alistair Moody. So it is a real mess. Harry is stuck, but he's underneath the cape, so he can't be seen, but he also can't move um, in a very tense scene a very tense scene. Mr. Moody Professor Moody um, manages to get Filch and Snape to walk on somewhere else, head back to bed, but Moody can see through the invisibility cloak so he uh, asks Harry kind of what's going on, returns his his uh, egg to him through some, some threatening towards Snape, and then uh, at the end of this interaction asks if he can borrow the Marauder's Map because it seems like it would be pretty useful in his hunt for dark wizards and keeping Harry safe and that is where we're at so wonderful people thank you very much for joining me on this remote episode of Sidecar Stories Harry Potter Out Loud and the Goblet of Fire
1: let's get into the chapter shall we hi Danielle. Dianelli. Hello, Tiny. We've already got a we've got a hashtag Beanstream. All right, who's ready to do this thing?
0: One chapter tonight, and then uh, I'll hang around for a little bit afterward. We can talk a bit, and then uh, call it a night. It's a it's a slightly longer than average chapter, though. We got plenty to do. Here we go. Chapter 26. The Second Task You said that you'd already worked out that egg clue, said Hermione indignantly. Keep your voice down, said Harry crossly. I just need to sort of fine-tune it, all right? He, Ron, and Hermione were sitting at the very back of the charms class with a table to themselves. They were supposed to be practicing the opposite of the summoning charm today, the banishing charm. Owing to the potential for nasty accidents when objects kept flying across the room, Professor Flitwick had given each student a stack of cushions on which to practice, the theory being that these wouldn't hurt anyone if they went off target. It was a good theory, but it wasn't working very well. Neville's poor aim... Uh, Neville's aim was so poor that he kept accidentally sending much heavier things flying across the room. Professor Flitwick, for instance. Just forget about the egg for a minute, all right?" Harry hissed as Professor Flitwick went whizzing resignedly past them, landing on top of a large cabinet. I'm trying to tell you about Snape and Moody. This class was an ideal cover for private conversation, as everyone was having far too much fun to pay them any attention. Harry had been recounting his adventures of the previous night in whispered installments for the last half-hour. "'Snape said that Moody's searched his office as well,' Ron whispered, his eyes alight with interest as he banished a cushion with a sweep of his wand. It soared into the air and knocked Parvati's hat off. "'Well, do you reckon that Moody's here to keep an eye on Snape as well as Karkaroff?' "'Well, I don't know if that's what Dumbledore asked him to do, but he's definitely doing it,' said Harry, waving his wand without paying much attention that his cushion did an odd sort of belly-flop off the desk. Moody said that Dumbledore only lets Snape stay here because he's giving him a second chance or something. What? said Ron, his eyes widening, his next cushion spinning high into the air ricocheting off the chandelier and dropping heavily into Flitwick's desk.
1: Harry, maybe Moody thinks Snape put your name in the goblet of fire. "'Oh,
2: Ron,'
0: said Hermione, shaking her head sceptically. "'We thought we thought that Snape was trying to kill Harry before, "'and it turned out he was saving Harry's life, remember?' She banished a cushion, and it flew across the room and landed in a box "'that they were all supposed to be aiming at.' "'Harry looked at Hermione, thinking, "'It was true that Snape had saved his life once, "'but the odd thing was Snape definitely loathed him.' just as he loathed Harry's father when they had been at school together. Snape loved talking point— Snape loved taking points from Harry, but certainly never missed an opportunity to give him punishments, or even to suggest that he should be suspended from the school. "'I don't care what Moody says,' Hermione went on. "'Dumbledore is not that stupid. He was right to trust Hagrid and Professor Lupin, even though loads of people wouldn't have given them jobs, so why shouldn't he be right about Snape?' even if Snape is a bit—' Evil!' said Ron promptly. "'Come on, Hermione, why are all of these dark Wizard wizards in his office, then?'
1: "'Why has Mr. Crouch been pretending to be ill?'
0: said Hermione, ignoring Ron.
1: "'It's a bit funny, isn't it, that he
0: can't manage to come to the Yule Ball, but he can get up here in the middle of the night when he wants to.' "'You just don't like Crouch because of that elf, Winky,' said Ron, sending a cushion soaring out the window.
1: "'You just want
0: to think that Snape is up to something,' said Hermione, sending her cushion, zooming neatly into the box. (sighs) "'I just want to know what Snape did with his first chance, if he's on his second one,' said Harry grimly. His cushion,
1: to his very great surprise, flew straight across the room and landed neatly on top of Hermione's. Obedient to Sirius's wish of hearing about anything odd at Hogwarts, Harry sent him a
0: letter by Brown Owl that night, explaining all about Mr. Crouch's breaking into Snape's office, and Moody and Snape's conversation. Then Harry turned his attention in earnest to the most urgent problem facing him. How to survive underwater for
1: an hour on the 24th of February. Ron quite liked the idea of using the summoning charm (laughs)
0: Harry had explained about aqualungs, and Ron couldn't see why Harry shouldn't summon one from the nearest Muggle town. Hermione squashed this plan by pointing out that, in the unlikely event Harry managed to learn how to operate an aqualung within the set limit of an hour, he was sure to be disqualified for breaking the international code of wizarding secrecy. It was too much to hope that no Muggles would spot an aqualung zooming across the countryside to Hogwarts. "'Of course the ideal solution would be for you to transfigure yourself into a submarine or something,' Hermione said. "'If only we'd done human transfiguration already. "'But I don't think we start that until sixth year. "'It can go badly wrong if you don't know what you're doing.' "'Yeah, I don't fancy walking around with a periscope sticking out of my head,' said Harry. "'I suppose I could always attack someone in front of Moody. He might do it for me.' I don't think he would let you choose what you wanted to be turned into, though," said Hermione, seriously. No, I think that your best chance
1: is some sort of charm."
0: So Harry, thinking he would soon have had enough of the library to last him a lifetime, buried himself once more among the dusty volumes, looking for any spell that might enable a human to survive without oxygen. However. Though he, Ron, and Hermione searched through their lunchtimes, evenings, and whole weekends, though Harry asked Professor McGonagall for a note of permission to use the restricted section, though Harry asked Professor McGonagall for a note of permission to use the restricted section, and even asked the irritable, vulture-like librarian, Madame Pince, for help, they found nothing, nothing whatsoever that would enable Harry to spend an hour underwater and live to tell the tale. Familiar flutterings of panic were starting to disturb Harry now, and he was finding it difficult to concentrate in class again. The lake, which Harry had always taken for granted as just another figure The lake, which Harry had always taken for granted as just another feature of the grounds, through his eyes whenever he was near a classroom window. A great iron-grey mass of chilly water, whose dark and icy depths were starting to seem as distant as the moon. Just as it had been before he faced the Horntail, time was slipping away, though nobody had bewitched the clocks to go extra fast. It was a week to go before February the 24th. It was still time. There were five days to go. He was bound to find something soon. Three days to go. Please let me find something, please. With two days left, Harry started to go off food again. The only good thing about breakfast on Monday was the return of the brown owl he had sent to Sirius. He pulled off the parchment, unrolled it, and saw the shortest letter Sirius had ever written to him. Send date of next, next Hogsmead weekend by return owl.
1: He returned the parchment over, he looked at the back, hoping to see something else, but it was blank. Weekend after next whispered Hermione, who had read the
0: note over Harry's shoulder.
1: Here, take my quill and send the owl back straight away.
0: Harry scribbled the dates down in the back of Sirius's letter, tied it onto the brown owl's leg and watched it take flight again. What had he expected? Advice on how to survive underwater? He had been so intent on telling Sirius all about Snape and Moody he had completely
1: forgotten to mention the egg's clue. What's he want to know about the next Hogsmead weekend for? I don't know, said Harry dully. The momentary happiness
0: that had flared inside him at the sight of the owl had died. Oh, come on. Care of magical creatures. Whether Hagrid was trying to make up for the blast-ended scroots, or because there were now only two scroots left or because he was trying to prove that he could do anything that Professor Grubbly Plank could, Harry didn't know. But Hagrid had been continuing her lessons on unicorns ever since he'd returned to work. It turned out, Hagrid knew quite as much about unicorns as he did about monsters, though it was clear he found their lack of poisonous fangs disappointing. Today he had managed to capture two unicorn foals, Unlike full-grown unicorns, they were pure gold. Parvati and Lavender went into transports of delight at the sight of them, and even Pansy Parkinson had to work extra hard to conceal how much she liked them.
1: "'Easier to spot
0: than the adults,' Hagrid told the class. "'They turn silver when they're about uh, two
1: years old. In a bit you can pat them if you want. Give them a few of these sugar lumps.' "'You okay, Harry?' Hagrid
0: muttered, moving aside slightly while most of the others swarmed around the baby unicorns.
1: Yeah, said Harry. Just nervous, eh? said Hagrid. Bit, said Harry. Hurry, said Hagrid,
0: clapping a massive hand on his shoulder so that Harry's knees buckled under its weight. I've been worried about you. I. I'd have been worried about you before I saw you take on that horntail, but now I know you can do anything you set your mind to. I'm not worried about it at all. You're going to be fine. You got your clue worked out, haven't you?" Harry nodded, but even as he did so, an insane urge to confess that he didn't have any idea how to survive at the bottom of the lake for an hour came over him. He looked up at Hagrid. Perhaps he had to go into the lake sometimes. To deal with the creatures in it? He looked after everything else on the grounds, after all.
3: You're going to win,
0: Hagrid growled, patting Harry's shoulder again, so that Harry actually felt himself sink a couple of inches into the soft ground.
1: I know it. I can feel it. You're going to win, Harry.
0: Harry just couldn't bring himself to wipe the happy, confident smile off Hagrid's face. Pretending he was interested in the young unicorns, he forced a smile in return and moved forward to pat them with the others.
1: By the evening before the second task, Harry felt as though he were trapped in a nightmare. He was fully aware that
0: even if, by some miracle, he managed to find a suitable spell, he'd have a real job mastering it overnight. How could he have let this happen? Why hadn't he got to work on the Egg's Clue sooner? Why had he ever let his mind wander in class? What if a teacher had once mentioned how to breathe underwater? He sat with Hermione and Ronde in the library as the sun set outside, tearing feverishly through page after page of spells, hidden from one another by the massive piles of books on the desks in front of them. Harry's heart gave a huge leap every time he saw the word water on a page, but more often than not, it was merely take two pints of water, half a pound of shredded mandrake leaves, and a newt.
1: I don't reckon it can be done, said Ron's voice flatly from the other side of the table. There's nothing, nothing.
0: closest was that thing to dry up puddles and ponds, but how that drought charm, it was nowhere near powerful enough to drain the lake.
2: There must be something,
0: Hermione muttered, moving a candle closer to her. Her eyes were so tired she was poring over the tiny prints of old and forgotten bewitchments and charms with her nose about an inch from the page.
1: They'd have never set a task that was undoable.
0: They have, said Ron. Harry, just go down to the lake tomorrow. Right, stick your head in. Yell at the people to give back whatever they've nicked, and see if they chuck it out. Best you can do, mate.
1: There's a way of doing it, Hermione said crossly. There just has to be. She seemed to be
0: taking the library's lack of useful information on the subject as a personal insult.
1: It had never failed her before. I know what I should have done, said Harry. Resting face-down on
0: saucy tricks for tricky sorts, I should have learned to be an Animagus like Sirius. An Animagus was a wizard who could transform into an animal. Yeah, could have turned into a goldfish any time you wanted,
1: said Ron. Or a frog, beyond Harry. He was exhausted.
0: It takes years to become an Animagus. Then you have to register yourself and everything," said Hermione vaguely, now squinting down at the index of weird wizarding dilemmas and their solutions. "'Professor McGonagall told us, remember? You've got to register yourself with the improper use of Magic Office, what animal you become, and your markings, so you can't abuse it.' "'Hermione, I was joking,' said Harry wearily. I know I haven't got a chance of turning into a frog by tomorrow morning. Oh, this is no use, Hermione said, snapping shut weird wizarding dilemmas. Who on earth wants to make their nose hair grow into
1: ringlets? I wouldn't mind, said Fred Weasley's voice. Be a talking point, wouldn't it?
0: Harry, Ron, and Hermione looked up. Fred and George had just emerged from behind some bookshelves. "'What are you two doing here?' Ron asked.
1: "'Looking for you,'
0: said George. "'McGonagall wants you, Ron. And you, Hermione.' "'Why?' said Hermione, looking surprised. "'I don't know. She was looking a bit grim, though,' said Fred.
1: "'We're supposed to take you down to her office,'
0: said George. Ron and Hermione stared at Harry, who felt his stomach drop. Was Professor McGonagall about to tell Ron and Hermione off? Perhaps she'd noticed how much they were helping him, when he ought to have been working out how to do the task alone.
1: "'We'll meet you back
0: in the common room,' Hermione told Harry as she got up to go with Ron. Both of them looked very anxious.
1: "'Bring as many of these books with you as you can, okay?' "'Right,' said Harry, uneasily. By eight o'clock... Madame Pince had extinguished all of the lamps and came to chutn. This is a word. Chivy, chivy, C H I V V Y. An interesting one. By eight o'clock, Madame Pince had extinguished
0: all of the lamps and came to chivy Harry out of the library. Go with that. Staggering under the weight of as many books as he could carry, Harry returned to the Gryffindor common room, pulled a table into the corner and continued the search. There was nothing in Madcap Magic for Wacky Warlocks, nothing in A Guide to Medieval Sorcery, not one mention of underwater exploits in An Anthology of Eighteenth-Century Charms, or in Dreadful Denizens of the Deep, or Powers You Never Knew You Had and What to Do With Them Now That You've Wised Up. Crookshanks crawled into Harry's lap and curled up, purring deeply. The common room emptied slowly around Harry. People kept wishing him luck for the next morning in cheery, confident voices like Hagrid's, all of them apparently convinced he was about to pull off another stunning performance, like the one he had managed in the first task.
1: Harry couldn't answer them. He just nodded, as though there were a golf ball stuck in his throat.
0: By ten to midnight, he was alone in the room with Crookshanks. He had searched all of the remaining books, and Ron and Hermione had not yet come back. It's over, he told himself. You can't do it. I'll just have to go down to the lake in the morning and tell the judges. He imagined himself explaining that he couldn't do the task. He pictured Bagman's look of round-eyed surprise, Karkaroff's satisfied, yellow-toothed smile. We could almost hear Fleur Delacour saying,
1: I knew it. He is too young. He is only a little boy.
0: He saw Malfoy flashing his Potter Stinks badge at the front of the crowd. Saw Hagrid's crestfallen, disbelieving face. Forgetting that Crookshanks was on his lap, Harry stood up very suddenly. Cruikshank hissed angrily as he landed on the floor, gave Harry a disgusted look and stalked away with his bottle brush tail high in the air. But Harry was already hurrying up the spiral staircase to his dormitory. Grab the invisibility cloak and go back to the library. He'd stay there all night if he had to.
1: Lumos, Harry whispered, fifteen minutes later, as he opened the library door. Wand tip alight, he crept along the bookshelves,
0: pulling down more books. Books of hexes and charms, books on merpeople and water monsters, books on famous witches and wizards, on magical inventions, on anything at all that might include one passing reference to underwater survival. He carried them over to a table and set to work, searching them by the narrow
1: beam of his wand, occasionally checking his watch. One in the morning, two in the morning. The only way he could keep going was to tell himself over and over again. Next book. In the next one. The next one. The mermaid in the painting in the prefect's bathroom was laughing. Harry was bobbing like a cork in bubbly
0: water next to her rock, while she held his firebolt over his head.
3: Come and get it,
0: she giggled maliciously.
3: Come on, jump!
0: I can't, Harry panted, snatching at the firebolt and struggling not to sink. Give it to me! But she just poked him painfully in the side with the end of her broomstick, laughing at him. That hurts! Get off! Ouch! Harry
3: Potter must wake up, sir!
0: Stop poking me! Dobby must poke Harry Potter, sir! He must wake up! Harry opened his eyes. He was still in the library. The invisibility cloak had slipped off of his head as he'd slept. And the rest of his face... The side of
1: his face was stuck on the pages where... Thank you very much, Rachel. The side of his face was stuck to the pages of Where there's a wand, there's a way.
0: He sat up, spreading his glasses, blinking in the bright daylight. Harry Potter needs to hurry, squeaked Dobby. The second task starts in ten minutes, and Harry Potter... Ten minutes? Harry croaked. ten, ten minutes? He looked down at his watch. Dobby was right. It was twenty past nine. A large, dead weight seemed to fall through Harry's chest into his stomach.
2: "'Hurry, Harry Potter!'
0: squeaked Dobby, plucking at Harry's sleeve. "'You is supposed to be down by the lake with the other champions, sir!' (laughs) "'It's too late, Dobby!' Harry said hopelessly. "'I'm not doing the task. I don't know how!' "'Harry Potter will do the task!' squeaked the Elf. Dobby knew Harry had not found the right book, so Dobby did it for him. What said Harry? But you didn't know what the second task is. Dobby knows, sir. Harry Potter has to go into the lake and find his Wheezy. Find my what?
2: And take his Wheezy back from the mer people.
0: What's a Wheezy?
2: Your Wheezy, sir. Your Wheezy. Wheezy, who is giving Dobby his sweater?"
0: Dobby plucked at the shrunken maroon sweater he was wearing over his shorts.
1: What? what
0: Harry gasped. They've got—they've got Ron? The thing Harry Potter will miss most, sir, squeaked Dobby. But past an hour— The prospect's black, Harry recited. Staring, horror-struck, at the Elf. "'Too late, it's gone, it won't come back. Toby, what have I got to do?' "'You has to eat this, sir,' squeaked the Elf, and he put his hand in the pocket of his shorts, and drew out a ball of what looked like slimy, greyish-green rat-tails.
1: "'Right before you go into the lake, sir! Gillyweed!'
0: "'What's it do?' asked Harry, staring at the gillyweed. "'It will make Harry Potter breathe under water, sir.' "'Dobby!' said Harry frantically. "'Listen, are you sure about this?' He couldn't quite forget that the last time Dobby had tried to help him he had ended up with no bones in his right arm.
1: "'Dobby is quite sure, sir,'
0: said the elf earnestly. "'Dobby hears things, sir. He is a house-elf. It goes all over the castle as he lights the fires and mops the floors. Dobby heard Professor McGonagall and Professor Moody in
2: the staff room talking about the next task. Dobby cannot let Harry Potter
1: lose his wheezy!"
0: Harry's doubts vanished. Jumping to his feet, he pulled off the invisibility cloak, stuffed it into his bag, grabbed the gillyweed, and put it into his pocket, then tore out of the library with Dobby at his heels.
2: Dobby is supposed to be in the kitchen, sir,
0: Dobby squealed as they burst into the corridor.
2: Dobby will be missed. Good luck, Harry Potter. Sir, good luck.
0: I'll see you later, Dobby, Harry shouted, and he sprinted along the corridor and down the stairs, three at a time. The entrance hall contained a few last-minute stragglers, all leaving the great hall after breakfast and heading through the dope and heading through the double-oak doors to watch the second task. They stared as Harry flashed past, sending Colin and Dennis Creevy flying as he leapt down the stone steps and out onto the bright, chilly grounds.
1: Whoa! 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 Whoa!
0: That's not in the book. I just like doing the Creevy voices. As he pounded down the lawn, he saw that the seats that encircled the dragon's enclosure in November were now ranged along the opposite bank, rising in stands that were packed to the bursting point and reflected in the lake below. The excited babble of the crowd echoed strangely across the water, as Harry ran flat out around the other side of the lake toward the judges, who were sitting at another gold-draped table at the water's edge. Cedric, Fleur, and Crumb were beside the judges' table, watching Harry sprint toward them. (sighs) I'm here, Harry panted, skidding to a halt in the mud and accidentally splattering Fleur's robes.
1: "'Where have you beaten?' said a bossy, disapproving voice. "'The task is about to start!' Harry
0: looked around. Percy Weasley was sitting at the judge's table. Mr. Crouch had failed to turn up again. "'Now, now, Percy!' said Ludo Bagman, who was looking intensely relieved to see Harry.
1: "'Let him catch his breath.
0: Dumbledore smiled at Harry, but Karkaroff and Maxime didn't look too pleased to see him. It was obvious from the looks on their faces that they had thought he wasn't going to turn up. Harry bent over, hands on his knees, gasping for breath. He had a stitch in his side that felt as though he had a knife between his ribs, but there was no time to get rid of it. Ludo Bagman was now moving among the champions, facing them along the bank at intervals of ten feet. Harry was on the very end of the line, next to Crumb, who was wearing swimming trunks and was holding his wand ready. All right, Harry, Bagman whispered as he moved Harry a few feet further away from Crumb.
1: Know what you're gonna do? Yeah, Harry panted, massaging his ribs. Bagman gave Harry's shoulder a quick
0: squeeze and returned to the judges' table. He pointed his wand at his throat as he had done at the World Cup, said, Sonorous! And his voice boomed out across the dark water toward the stands. Well, all our champions are ready for the second task, which will start on my whistle. They have precisely an hour to recover what has been taken from them. On the count of three, then. One, two, three! The whistle whistle echoed shrilly in the cold, still air. The stands erupted with cheers and applause, without looking to see what the other champions were doing. Harry pulled off his shoes and socks, pulled the handful of gillyweed out of his pocket, stuffed it into his mouth, and waded out into the lake. It was so cold he felt the skin on his legs searing as though they were on fire, not icy water. His sodden robes weighed him down as he walked in deeper. Now the water was over his knees, and his rapidly numbing feet were slipping over silt and flat, slimy stones. Chewing the gillyweed as hard and fast as he could, it felt unpleasantly slimy and rubbery, like octopus tentacles.
1: Waist-deep in the freezing water, he stopped, swallowed, and waited for something to happen. He could hear laughter in the crowd. Knew he must look stupid, walking into the lake without
0: showing any sign of magical power. The part of him that was still dry was covered in goose pimples. Half immersed in the icy water, a cruel breeze lifting his hair, there he started to shiver violently. He avoided looking at the stands. The laughter was becoming louder, and there were catcalls and jeering from the Slytherins. Then, Quite suddenly, Harry felt as though an invisible pillow had been pressed over his mouth and nose. He tried to draw breath, but it made his head spin. His lungs were empty, and he suddenly felt a piercing pain on either side of his neck. Harry clapped his hands around his throat and
1: felt two large slits just below his ears, flapping in the cold air. He had gills.
0: Without pausing to think, he did the only thing that made sense. He flung himself forward into the water. The first gulp of icy lake water felt like a breath of life. His head had stopped spinning. He took another great gulp of water and felt it pass smoothly through his gills, sending oxygen back to his brain. He stretched out his hands in front of him and stared at them. They looked green ghostly under the water. They had become webbed. He twisted around and looked at his bare feet, They had become elongated, and the toes were webbed too. It looked as though he had sprouted flippers. The water didn't feel icy any more. On the contrary, he felt pleasantly cool and very light. Harry struck out once more, marveling at how far and fast his flipper-like feet propelled him through the water, and noticing how clearly he could see, and how he no longer seemed to need to blink. He had soon swum so far into the lake that
1: he could no longer see the bottom. He flipped over and dived into its depths. Silence pressed upon his ears as he soared over a strange, dark,
0: foggy landscape. He could only see ten feet around him, that he sped through the water, and new scenes seemed to loom suddenly out of the oncoming darkness. Forests of kelp, rippling, tangled black weed, wide plains of mud littered with dull, glimmering stones. He swam deeper and deeper, out toward the middle of the lake, his eyes wide, staring through the eerily gray-lit water around him, to the shadows beyond, where the water became opaque. Small fish flickered past him in silver darts. Small fish flickered past him like silver darts. Once or twice, he thought he saw something larger moving ahead of him, but when he got nearer he discovered it to be nothing but a large blackened log or a dense clump of seaweed. There was no sign of any of the other champions, merpeople, Ron, nor, thankfully, the giant squid. Light green weed stretched ahead of him as far as he could see, two feet deep like a meadow of very overgrown grass. Harry was staring unblinkingly ahead of him, trying to discern shapes through the gloom. And then, without warning, something grabbed hold of his ankle. Harry twisted around and saw a a small horned water demon, poking out of the weed, its long fingers clutching tightly around Harry's leg, its pointed fangs bared. Harry stuck his webbed hand quickly inside his robes and fumbled for his wand. By the time he had grasped it, two more grindylows had risen out of the weed had seized handfuls of Harry's robes and were attempting to drag him down. you, Harry shouted, except no sound came out. A large bubble issued from his mouth, and his wand, instead of sending sparks at the Grindylows, pelted them with what seemed to be a jet of boiling water. Where it struck them, angry red patches appeared on their green skin. Harry pulled his ankle out of the Grindylows' grip and swam as fast as he could, occasionally sending more jets of hot water over his shoulder at random. Every now and then he felt one of the Grindylows snatch at his foot again, and it kicked out hard. Finally, he felt his foot connect with a horned skull and, looking back, saw the dazed Grindylow floating away, cross-eyed, while its fellows shook their fists at Harry and sank back into the weed.
1: Harry slowed down a little, slipped his wand back inside his robes, and looked around listening again. He turned full circle in the water, the silence pressing harder than ever
0: against his eardrums. He knew he must be even deeper in the lake now, but nothing was moving but the rippling weed.
1: How are you getting on?
0: Harry thought he was having a heart attack. He whipped around and saw moaning Myrtle floating hazily in front of him. Gazing at him through her thick pearly glasses. Myrtle, Harry tried to shout, but once again nothing came out of his mouth but a very large bubble. Moaning, Myrtle actually laughed.
2: "You want to try over there?"
0: he said, pointing.
2: "I won't come with you. I don't like them very much. They always chase me when I get too close."
0: Harry gave her a thumbs up to show his thanks and set off once more careful to swim a bit higher over the weed to avoid any more grindy lows that might be lurking there. He he swam on for what felt like at least twenty minutes. He was passing over vast expanses of black mud now, which
1: swirled murkily as he disturbed the water. Then, at long last, he heard a snatch of haunting mer-song. An hour long, you'll
0: have to look and to recover what we took. <laughs> Harry swam faster and soon saw a large rock emerge out of the muddy water ahead. It had paintings of it had paintings of people on it. They were carrying spears and chasing what
1: looked like the giant squid. Harry swam on past the rock, following the mer song. Your time's half gone, so tarry not,
0: lest what you seek stays here to rot. Mm. A cluster of crude stone dwellings stained with algae loomed suddenly out of the gloom on all sides. Here and there, at the dark windows, Harry saw faces—faces that bore no resemblance at all to the painting of the mermaid in the prefect's bathroom. The people had grayish skin and long, wild, dark green hair. Their eyes were yellow, as were their broken teeth, and they wore thick ropes of pebbles around their necks. They leered at Harry as he swam past. One or two of them emerged from their caves to watch him better, their powerful silver fish tails beating
1: the water, spears clutched in their hands. Harry sped on. Staring around, and soon the dwellings
0: became more numerous. There were gardens of weed around some of them, and he even saw a pet grindylow tied to a stake outside one door. Merpeople people were emerging on all sides now, watching him eagerly, pointing at his webbed hands and gills, talking behind their hands as uh, talking behind their hands to one another.
1: Harry sped around a corner, and a very strange sight met his eyes a whole crowd of murr people
0: was floating in front of the houses that lined what looked like a murr version of a village square a choir of murr people was singing in the center in the middle calling the champions toward them and behind them rose a crude sort of statue a gigantic murr person hewn from a boulder four people were bound tightly to the tail of the stone murr person Ron was tied between Hermione and Cho Chang. There was also a girl who looked no older than eight, whose clouds of silvery hair made Harry feel that she was Fleur Delacour's sister. All four of them appeared to be in very deep sleep. Their heads were lolling onto their shoulders, and fine streams of bubbles kept issuing from their mouths. Harry sped toward the hostages, half expecting the merpeople people to lower their spears and charge at him, but they did nothing. The ropes of weed tying the hostages to the, th- the statue were thick, slimy, and very strong. For a fleeting second he thought of the knife Sirius had bought him for Christmas, locked in a trunk at the castle a quarter of a mile away, no use to him whatsoever.
1: He looked around. Many of the people surrounding them were carrying spears.
0: He swam swiftly toward a seven-foot-tall merman with a long green beard and a choker of shark fangs, and tried to mime a request to borrow the spear.
1: The merman laughed and shook his head. Naxara, how's it going? Welcome. Hey, Rachel, do you want to be a merman? The merman laughed and shook his head. We do not help he said in a harsh, croaky voice. Come
0: on, Harry said fiercely, but only bubbles issued from his mouth. He tried to pull the spear away from the merman, but the merman yanked it back, still shaking his head and laughing. Harry swirled around, staring about. Something sharp. Anything. There were rocks littering the lake bottom. He dived and snatched up a particularly jagged one and returned to the statue. to hack at the ropes binding Ron, and after several minutes' hard work, they broke apart. Ron floated, unconscious, a few inches above the lake bottom,
1: drifting a little in the ebb of the water. Harry looked around. There was no sign of the other champions. What were they
0: playing at? Why didn't they hurry up? He turned back to Hermione, raised the jagged rock, and began hacking at her bindings, too. At once, several pairs of strong, gray hands seized him. Half a dozen mermen were pulling him away from Hermione, shaking their green-haired heads, laughing.
3: You take your own
1: hostage, one of them said to him.
3: Leave the others.
0: No way, said Harry furiously, but only two large bubbles came out.
3: Your task is to retrieve your own friend. Leave the others.
0: She's my friend, too, Harry yelled, gesturing toward Hermione, an enormous silver bubble emerging soundlessly from his lips. And I don't want them to die, either. Cho's head was on Hermione's shoulder. The small, silver-haired girl was ghostly green and pale. Harry struggled to fight off the merman, but they laughed harder than ever, holding him back. Harry looked wildly around. Where were the other champions? Would he have time to take Ron to the surface and come back for Hermione and the others?
1: Would he be able to find them again? He looked down at his watch to see how much time was left. It had stopped working. Sorry, Naxora. Good to see you. Then the people around him started pointing excitedly over his head.
0: Harry looked up and saw Cedric swimming toward them, There was an enormous bubble around his head, which made his features look oddly wide and stretched. "'Got lost,' he mouthed, looking panic-stricken. "'Floor and Crumb are coming now.' Feeling enormously relieved, Harry watched Cedric pull a knife out of his
1: pocket and cut Cho free. He pulled her upward and out of sight. Harry looked around, waiting. Where were Floor and Crumb? Time was getting short, and according to the song, the hostages would be
0: lost after an hour. The merpeople started screeching animatedly. Those holding Harry loosened their grip, staring behind them. Harry turned and saw something monstrous cutting through the water toward them. A human body in swimming trunks with the head of a shark. It was Crumb. He appeared to have transfigured himself, but badly. The shark man swam straight to Hermione and began snapping and biting at her ropes. The trouble was that Crumb's new teeth were positioned very awkwardly for biting anything smaller than a dolphin. And Harry was quite sure that if Crumb wasn't careful, he was going to rip Hermione in half. Darting forward, Harry hit Crumb hard on the shoulder and held up the jagged stone. Crumb seized it and began to cut Hermione free. Within seconds, he had done it. He grabbed Hermione around the waist and, without a backward glance, began to rise rapidly with her toward the surface.
1: Now what? Harry thought desperately. If he could be sure that Floor was coming, but still no sign. There was nothing to be done,
0: except he snatched up the stone which Crum had dropped, but the mermen now closed in around Ron and the little girl, shaking their heads at him. Harry pulled out his wand.
1: Get out of the way!
0: Only bubbles flew out of his mouth, but he had the distinct impression that the mermen had understood him, because they suddenly stopped laughing. Their yellowish eyes were fixed upon Harry's wand, and they looked scared. There might be a lot more of them than there were of him, but Harry could tell, by the looks on their faces, that they knew no more about magic than the giant squid did. You've got until three! Harry shouted. A great stream of bubbles burst from him, but he held up three fingers to make sure they got the message. One! He put down a finger. Two! He put down a second one. They scattered. Harry darted forward and began to hack at the ropes binding the small girl to the statue, and at last she was free. He seized the little girl around the waist, grabbed the neck of Ron's robes, and kicked off from the bottom. It was very slow work. He could no longer use his webbed hands to propel himself forward. He worked his flippers furiously, but Ron and Fleur's sister was like a potato-filled sack dragging him back down. He fixed his
1: eyes skyward, though he knew they must still be very deep. The water above him was so dark. Merpeople
0: were rising with him. Harry could see them swirling around him with ease, watching him struggle through the water. Would they him back down to the depths when the time was up? Did they perhaps eat humans? Harry's legs were seizing up with the effort of keeping swimming. What? Harry's legs were seizing up with the effort to keep swimming. His shoulders were aching horribly with the effort of dragging Ron and the girl. He was drawing breath with extreme difficulty. He could feel pain on the sides of his neck again. He was becoming very aware of how wet the water was in his mouth, and yet darkness was definitely thinning now. He could see daylight above him. He kicked hard with his flippers and discovered that they were nothing more than feet. Water was flooding through his mouth, into his lungs. He was starting to feel dizzy, but he knew light and air were only ten feet above him. He had to get there. He had to. Harry kicked his legs so hard and fast it felt as though his muscles were screaming in protest His very brain felt waterlogged. He couldn't breathe. He needed oxygen. He had to keep going. He could not stop. And then he felt his head break the surface of the lake.
1: Wonderful, cold, clear air was making his face wet again. He gulped it down, feeling as
0: though he had never breathed properly before, and, panting, pulled Ron and the little girl up with him. All around him wild, green-haired
1: heads were emerging out of the water with him, but they were smiling at him. The crowd in the stands were making a great deal of noise,
0: shouting and screaming. They all seemed to be on their feet. Harry had the impression that they thought that Ron and the little girl might be dead, but they were wrong. Both of them had opened their eyes. The girl looked scared and confused, but Ron merely expelled a great spout of water blinked in the bright light, turned to Harry and said,
1: "'It's wet, this, isn't it?' Then he spotted Fleur's sister. "'What did you bring her for?' "'Fleur didn't turn up. I couldn't leave her,'
0: Harry panted. "Harry, you prat,' said Ron. "'Didn't take that song thing seriously, did you? "'Dumbledore wouldn't have let any of us drown.' The song said that it was only to make you get back up inside the time limit, said Ron. I hope you didn't waste time down there acting like a hero. Harry felt both stupid and annoyed. It was all very well for Ron. He'd been asleep. He hadn't felt how eerie it was down in the lake, surrounded by mer
1: people, carrying spears who looked more than capable of murder. Come on, Harry said shortly, help me with her. I don't think she can swim very well.
0: They pulled Fleur's sister through the water, back toward the bank where the judges stood watching. Twenty more people accompanying them like a guard of honor,
1: singing their screechy, horrible songs. Harry could see Madame Pomfrey fussing over Hermione,
0: Crumb, Cedric, and Cho all of whom were wrapped in thick blankets. Dumbledore and Ludo Bagman stood beaming at Harry and Ron from the bank as they swam nearer. Dang it. Dumbledore and Ludo Bagman stood beaming at Harry and Ron from the bank as they swam nearer. But Percy, who looked very white and somehow much younger than usual, came splashing out to meet them. Meanwhile Madame Maxime was trying to restrain Fleur Delacour, who was quite hysterical, fighting tooth and nail to return to the water.
1: Gabriel, Gabriel, is she alive, is she
2: hurt?'
0: "'She's fine,' Harry tried to tell her, but he was so exhausted he could hardly talk, let alone shout. Percy seized Ron and was dragging him back to the bank. "'You're off Percy, I'm all right.' Dumbledore and Bagman were pulling Harry upright. Fleur had broken free of Madame Maxime and was hugging her sister.
1: It was the Grand Nilos. They attacked me. Oh, Gabrielle, I thought. I thought.
0: Come here, you, said Madame Pomfrey. She seized Harry and pulled him over to Hermione and the others, wrapped him so tightly in a blanket he felt as though he were in a straitjacket,
1: and forced a measure of very hot potion down his throat. Steam gushed out of his ears. Harry, well done! Hermione cried. You did it! You found out how all by yourself.
0: Well, said Harry. He would have told her about Dobby, but he had just noticed Karkaroff watching him. He was not the only judge who had not left the table. Oh, excuse me. He was the only judge who had not left the table. The only judge not showing shy. Chi- hmm, boy. The only judge not showing signs of pleasure and relief that Harry, Ron, and Fleur's sister had got back safely.
1: Yeah, that's right, said Harry, raising his voice slightly so that Karkaroff could hear him. You have a water beetle in your hair, Cramonini, said Crumb. Harry had the impression that Crumb was
0: drawing her attention back onto himself, perhaps to remind her that he had just rescued her from the lake. But Hermione brushed the beetle away impatiently and said, You were outside the time limit, though, Harry.
1: Did it take you ages to find us? No, I found you okay. Harry's
0: feeling of stupidity was growing. Now he was out of the water, it seemed perfectly clear that Dumbledore's safety precautions wouldn't have permitted the death of a hostage just because their champion hadn't turned up. Why hadn't he just grabbed Ron and gone? He would have been first back. Cedric and Crum hadn't wasted time worrying about anyone else. They hadn't taken the Mersong seriously. Dumbledore was crouching at the water's edge deep in conversation with what seemed to be the chief mer-person, a particularly wild and ferocious-looking female. She was making the same sort of screechy noises that the mer-people made when they spoke above water. Clearly, Dumbledore could speak mermish. Finally, he straightened up, turned to his fellow judges, and said,
1: "'A conference before we give the marks, I think?'
0: The judges went into a huddle. Madame Pomfrey had gone to rescue Ron from Percy's clutches. She led him over to Harry and the others, gave him a blanket and some pepper-up potion, then went to fetch Fleur and her sister. Fleur had many cuts on her face and arms, and her robes were torn. But she didn't seem to care, nor would she allow Madame Pomfrey to clean them.
1: "'Look after Gabrielle,'
0: she told her, and then she turned to Harry.
1: You saved her, she said breathlessly, even though she was not your hostage. Yeah, said Harry, who was now heartily wishing he had left all three girls tied to the statue.
0: Fleur bent down, kissed Harry twice on each cheek. He felt his face burn and wouldn't have been surprised if steam was coming out of his ears again. Then said to Ron,
1: and you too, you helped. ''Yeah,''
0: said Ron, looking extremely hopeful. ''Yeah, a bit.'' Fleur swooped down and kissed him too. Hermani looked simply furious, but just then Ludo Bagman's magically magnified voice boomed out beside them, making them all jump and causing the crowd in the stands to go very quiet. ''Ladies and gentlemen, we have reached our decision. Mur chieftainess Murcus has told us exactly what happened at the bottom of the lake. We have therefore decided to award marks out of 50 for each of the champions, as follows. Flora Delacour, though she demonstrated excellent use of the Bubblehead Charm, was attacked by Grindelows as she approached her goal and failed to retrieve her hostage. We award her 25 points applause from the stands.
1: I deserved self so,
0: said Fleur throatily, shaking her magnificent head. Cedric Diggory, who also used the bubblehead charm, was first to return with his hostage, though he returned one minute outside of the time limit of one hour. Enormous cheers from the Hufflepuffs in the crowd. Harry saw Cho give Cedric a glowing look. We therefore award him forty-seven points." Harry's heart sank. If Cedric had been outside the time limit, he most certainly had been. Victor Crumb used an incomplete form of transfiguration, which was nevertheless effective, and was second to return with his hostage. We award him forty points. Karkaroff. Karkaroff clapped particularly hard, looking very superior. Harry Potter used Gillyweed to great effect, Fagman continued. He returned last, and well outside the time limit of an hour. However, the Murchiefness informs us that Mr. Potter was the first to reach the hostages and that the delay in his return was due to his determination to return all hostages to safety, not merely his own." Ron and Hermione both gave Harry half-exasperated, half-commiserating looks. "'Most of the judges,' and here Bagman gave Karkaroff a very nasty look,
1: "'feel that this
0: shows moral fiber and merits full marks. However, Mr. Potter's score is forty-five points. Harry's stomach leapt. He was now tying for first place with Cedric. Ron and Hermione, caught by surprise, stared at Harry, then laughed and started applauding hard with the rest of the crowd. There you go, Harry, Ron shouted over the noise. You weren't being thick after all. You were showing moral fibre was clapping very hard too, but Crumb didn't look happy at all. He attempted to engage Hermione in conversation again, but she was too busy cheering Harry to listen.
1: The third
0: and final task will take place at dusk on the 24th of June, continued Bagman. The champions will be notified of what is precisely The champions will be notified of what is coming precisely one month beforehand. Thank you all for your support of the
1: champions." I hope all that Bagman stuff was audible. It was over,
0: Harry thought dazedly, as Madame Pomfrey began herding the champions and hostages back
1: to the castle to get into dry clothes. It was over. He had
0: got through. He didn't have to worry about anything now until June the 24th. Next time he was in Hogsmeade, Harry decided, as he walked back up the stone steps into the castle, he was going to buy Dobby a pair of socks for every day of the year. And that is the end of Chapter 26. Back to the library we go. Thank you all so much for watching. General says, let's see, I've been talking about the Lightning Thief musical, not something I'm familiar with. Uh, General says, it's the musical adaptation of The Lightning Thief by Rick Riordan. Uh, Riordan? Riordan? I don't remember exactly. It's super good. It also, it's also nothing like the movie, so that's an automatic plus. Uh, my personal favorite song from it is Good Kid because it literally describes my life almost perfectly except I've gone through six years in the past five. Oh, oh I've gone through six schools in the past five years that is that's rough that's a lot that's a lot of moving around um, Kit Koch who I can't keep track of all y'all anymore says nice effects and Luke says yes audible and good for Bagman excellent okay it does make a weird echo. It actually started to uh, give me some feedback, that sort of thing. Look how what, what a ghost I am! Look at what a ghost boy I am! Um, and uh, yes, it, the yeah the pop noises. <laughs> it's a weird one with that. I'm glad y'all could hear it. So. That is going to be my last chapter for tonight. I am going to stick around a little bit with y'all in chat here. Um, I've uh, I've been enjoying this a lot. It's nice to be able to do it, even from this remote location. I'm glad I don't have to take a full month break because the channel is doing well. Really, it is. Um, I've had 84 subscribers, it looks like, in the last month, which is fantastic. Um, I'm really happy to see people here. Um, I am I'm trying to make plans I know it's not going to happen while I'm here but I think uh, once the school year starts up uh, essentially I want to I want to do so I want to make some changes here to the stream maybe not to this stream I might let this one kind of continue as it's going but I'd like to do maybe less with the pictures and more with the sounds or I could maybe do more of both Um, I'm curious to know um, how many people actually watch when they watch this um, I'm still definitely going to need images but uh, I'm trying to decide like if I want to sort of balance that uh, I'd love to make this feel a lot more alive and so I think that's probably going to start with um, either uh, sort of they'll they'll continue how they are with the the different scenes and everything but potentially some different music underlying or some sound effects I know my end game is absolutely to do a full range of sound effects. I'm 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 wondering if I can put a soundboard on my computer, um, and uh, a uh, you know some some nice musical stylings uh, to fade in and out. I'm curious. Once school starts, what is it that y'all are tasked with reading for school? Because what I'd like to do is start up a second stream potentially through the week second stream or maybe late stream. I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to do, but my plan is to start to include uh, the the books that y'all have to read for school um, because I think it's great to have a chance to experience those things in a little bit more of a lively manner. I know one of the things that really helped me start to connect with literature when I was in school was the ability to Uh, hear it read out loud we would do some of these in school and at that time I was already like had a little bit of a performance bug in me so uh, I would always volunteer to grab one of the parts and read for it Um, and we would read the books aloud in class and different students would uh, grab different roles Um, I would love to do something like that and then be able to talk about the the themes and the characters and uh, the story with you guys um, such that you might have a bit more of an engaging version, perhaps, of something like Spark Notes. So I would love to either uh, in the comments of this video or um, perhaps elsewhere. Let's see. Maybe I'll post. I will post a special announcement video and we'll do the comments there. Let's see. Luke says 1984 and Night are both read in high school where I work. In the high school where I work. Okay. Sounds good. 1984 is an excellent one. 1984 uh, Brave New World. Those are probably on the list. Um, I'd also love to do some like some spooky stuff like maybe some Edgar Allan Poe or I've got a I've got two books. I've got uh one I've got an Edgar Allan Poe uh compilation and a uh, or anthology and um a collection of short stories that have been made into movies from uh H.P. Lovecraft. And uh I think Uh, uh, let's see Michaela I believe Uh, no Nathan and Michaela it was you guys it was the two of you (laughs) read um, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark and I've suggested that one
1: Um, Michaela
0: is saying will you read the APA manual to me I don't even know what that is what is the APA manual and General says I got accepted into a creative arts high school I'm super
1: excited well done Well done, General. Hope you have a good one. 1984,
0: Scarlet Letter, I assume will be on there at some point. Um, And yes, for some of those, I think it would be...
2: Just the
1: two of us.
0: Indeed. Uh, Yeah, there we go. I think, uh, I think there are some, some excellent options for other books to read. But yeah, I'm curious to know what you guys are reading for in school or read in school, etc. Uh, because honestly, there have been a surprising number of you that are uh, older than I anticipated. You know, I think I'm, I'm dealing with more peers than I am, uh, you know, young individuals here, which I think is fantastic. Romeo and Juliet. Romeo and Juliet, of course. Of course, Romeo and Juliet. That would be awesome. That would be wonderful. Cass could be Romeo and I'll be Juliet. Okay, Um, so with that, anyone who missed it before, I want to re-invite my my friend to the stage. Uh, Let's see, so Mikayla's saying, the American Psychological Association Manual, out of format APA.
1: I see. Okay, so um, here is
0: my sister Rachel. Hi she again as i said at the start of the stream it has been uh my my number one my longest fan uh since the beginning of this she was the one who encouraged me to actually do it and she was the one who stuck with me every week when i was having terrible terrible streaming issues and uh things weren't working um what is it that you're reading right now for high school anything
3: we read romeo and juliet
0: sure romeo and juliet yeah um Have there been any books that you really thought uh, were incredibly boring?
3: Street.
0: Awesome. Mango Street. Okay. I remember that one.
3: Oh, we read that. Yeah.
1: Got a shout out about the Odyssey. Old Man in the Sea. The Good Earth. That one I don't recognize.
3: (laughs) (laughs) There's one called uh, Speak. Speak. I wasn't in that class.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Okay. And how did you feel about your first experience reading on the stream?
3: I think I was pretty good. I, for that.
1: I thought it was.
0: <laughs> Give this woman a Tony. Tony. Give her a Tony.
3: Um in all seriousness, I could have done better, but it was very fun.
0: This is my self critical sister, Rachel. She uh she's also a performer. Um I have had such a hard time being in town at the same time with one of your performances. It's gross.
3: Christy Altomar, put me on Broadway, please. Say that again. Christy Altomar, put me on Broadway, please.
0: So this is a person that you have really fallen in love with over the course of your uh, experience with the musical. Anastasia. Anastasia. So I, I've learned that um, Anastasia, this is a musical. It's on Broadway right now, yes?
3: Uh, well, it's on tour.
0: It's on tour
1: now.
3: Oh, that's right. You caught
1: one of the very last shows, right? It closed. Four
3: days after. Speaking of which, um, Pretty Woman closing.
1: Okay. As you guys can see,
0: Rachel has a a bit of a performance bug as well. Um, But she had a great experience watching Anastasia, which I found out is not like a it's not a musicalification of the Disney movie.
3: Like the real...
0: Yeah. Um, and you have really fallen in love with this performer. Yes. What's her
1: name again?
3: Christy Altamar.:
1: Christy Altamar Right now. What's she doing in Africa? Okay. <laughs>
0: Are you like following her, her Instagram or something? Yeah. Gotcha. All right. And what would you say is your favorite song?
3: In a Crowd of Thousands of Okay. Also, the Neva Flows, which is a part you should.
0: The Neva flows. Well,
3: I mean that's the song, but the character Gleb sings.
0: So. Okay. Yeah, she's been wanting me to play this character that I'm not familiar with called Gleb. Uh, which I think is a, a very funny name. Uh let's look at chat really quick. Uh Romeo and Juliet. Um, maybe some Alistair Crowley to shake up their minds. To shake up some minds. Uh General says Grapes of Wrath is so oof. Uh, Luke says loved Old Man in the Sea, and General says yes. Turtles are super cool and all, but I don't want to read an entire chapter about one crossing the street. I have no doubt it has a good message. I wouldn't know. I couldn't finish it, but the writing is tedious. I think uh, there is definitely some. Uh, there are definitely some. For instance, I loved The Odyssey, and Cassidy was not a big fan. How did you feel about it?
3: I thought it was interesting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I think. This is a perfect example of why uh, some of these classic works would be an excellent option for this stream. I'd love to get your your, 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 another one? Yeah, go for it.
3: Okay, so there's another book called The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Night Time. Okay. And it was made in a Broadway play. Okay. That's all I got.
0: All right. There's another one, another one for the list. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to find a way to compile a good list. I think it's probably going to end up being, I will put an announcement video up uh, it's going to be another one of those, like, it's five seconds long. Uh, go ahead and we'll put your, your, um, uh, your options as the comments in that. Because I would love to hear about it. This is where I would typically do beans. Who sent me those beans? Me. This has been the girl who has been... Oh, wait,
3: no, I didn't. No? No, I was someone that gave them to you.
0: Sure, sure, sure. No, I know about that. Uh, Yeah, no, it wasn't uh, general. I'm also aware that that this is a a space of opinions. We're discussing art, and because of such, nearly all of this is going to be a matter of opinion. And nobody's harshing you for it. There were plenty of things. uh, I had a real I had real trouble with um, uh, Things Fall Apart. Uh, That one was tough for me.
1: In my opinion.
0: Luke has also heard good things about A Dog in the Night. Cass, or, uh, Rachel, I think um, Luke, of anybody that I don't know personally, Luke has been one of my, my uh, longest running fans. He was on the Instagram back when I was still using the Instagram actively. I gotta get back in there. Um, Manu Rontus is wondering uh, what's your favorite way to have a butter beer? Frozen? Frozen. Frozen. I feel like I feel like I want to try a warm version of it with way less sugar. Can I get a diet butter beer?
3: Or oh, like apple cider.
1: Or something, yeah. Um. Uh, Kit Koch is saying The Moon is a Harsh Mistress is a good futuristic society
0: book. Interesting. Taste test instead? What would we have to taste test?
3: I said we should do chocolate chip or a raisin and you don't know which one you're gonna get oh, of course.
0: <laughs> I am stocking all of this up uh, Dianelli, the Instagram is there you go there you go it's sidecar stories all one word um, and uh, yeah Manu Rontu uh, I love the hot butter beer um, I think I agree with you um, I, not the actual butter beer itself I have not tried that hot um, but there was there's a great like there's a great recipe online that I I probably drank eight cups of it as I was uh reading through this series for the first time. It's like a latte thing. You just you sort of make caramel and then uh all right, well the Kayla's saying yes, do it. I believe she's referring to Um The the rais- <laughs>
1: raisin versus chocolate chip. And she's saying, give him a raisin every time. What? what if it's... I don't want to do condiments. I... This, this has gone beyond the pale of what this is supposed to be.
3: What if, what if I have two spoons of condiments, hey. and one of them's good and one of them's not good, and you pick, like you can't see them, but you pick which one, and then you...
1: This sounds like a terrible, terrible idea.
0: Ugh. Tell you what, we will make a plan for next week for what's going to happen. Um, or for next stream. Uh, because things are up in the air uh, while I'm traveling. My schedule is, is really wonky. But uh, I want to say a special, special thank you to Rachel. Um, because she is the one, not only has she been a very, a very good early uh, member of the stream, also she has uh facilitated some interesting connections for me in the magical world uh she was responsible for getting those beans sent over she was responsible for our stream mascot ike the ukrainian iron belly good stuff it's not easy to do it's not easy to do as a muggle trying to coordinate things in the wizarding world and i think you would make a great
1: delegate from the muggle world to the ministry of magic I have fear <laughs> general says I
0: love six of crows Um, let's see
1: Michaela says I come for the stories but I stay for the taste testing general that is correct stay for the taste testing tell you what here's what you could do yeah um, I believe Let's she is see. thanking you for, uh, just, I don't know, participating, encouragement.
0: Oh. Um, for all of the connections that you've, you've helped us with. Uh, Luke says, thanks for making the streams fun, Rachel.
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready for my debut.
0: <laughs> she also was responsible for me getting my wand, uh, special order, special outside order from Ollivander.
1: All right. I still have it. I didn't bring it with me but I still have it. All right, I tell you what.
0: You still have a collection of interesting things upstairs in a bag that nobody's
1: going to eat, do you not? Are you planning to (laughs) uh, do something with those? Okay.
0: All right, so we're going to make this happen here. I recognize that... uh, this thing this thing something needs to happen with it because um y'all have been doing a great job letting people know about the stream um as i said it's been an excellent month and uh i always love having more people in here um new people like uh menu Rontu, welcome and then my my classics uh the people who i see in here just about every week now uh general dianelli michaela nate Luke, Rachel, of course, and then Noxara who ducks in and out every once in a while. I think I stream at a very bad time for Noxara. <laughs> but uh no, you've been doing a great job. And so, as I promised, I'm gonna do something with this. Uh please do uh continue to keep uh or continue to let people know about the stream. If you got nerdy friends, if you've got friends who uh like Harry Potter a lot, if you got friends who Just need something to put on while they fall asleep or do household chores and such. That's what I'm here for. I'm here to to relax, to inform, to entertain, and to eat something nasty. So,
1: Cassidy, do you mind if Rachel does the honors this week? Okay. Okay. I don't have a blindfold. I promise to, to... Uh, very effectively
0: cover my eyes Um, so I don't know what I'm getting here this is a grab bag uh, from Honeydukes right from (laughs) it's of course Um, uh, let's see Dinelli says thanks love you Rachel and Michaela says give the people what they want (laughs) and side note for sidecar from uh, I believe Edison Uh, we crafting after this, hey man. We what if we We crafting? Let's do this. I'm ready. you? You gotta show it to them so they know what I'm getting. Of course, it's not gonna matter because none of these things are gonna make any sense to these people, but uh, much in the same way, uh, some
1: of these is good, some of these is ain't. All right, I'm ready. You hear that? It feels like it's... Oh, man, they're huge, though.
0: They're enormous. When I get a bean, at least I can just down the bean and be done with it. Oh, it's... It's like an enormous, chalky jelly bean. Uh, thank you. Rachel has just handed me my very empty water mug. Oh, it's so chalky. Wait a second. Come here. Oh. Cominium. Yeah. Okay, you're pale too. But I was it looked like you were normal color. This is no. this is not a white shirt that I'm wearing.
1: I've also been getting some sun. Oh. I think I. Oh sure, just pull one off the shelf. Yeah. Hmm.
0: This this whole shelf over here underneath the. I'dk.
1: Is uh, the restricted section. <laughs> uh, absolutely, we can do one more. Michaela says this is penance for forgetting your beans. I accept.
0: All right. Oh,
3: by the way, that one was the liver of a fairy. You're
0: welcome. Fairy liver? You'd think they'd
1: be.
3: It was shaped like a heart, though.
1: Sweeter or softer or something. Ugh. Have they seen it? No? Are you showing it to him like a... Uh, <laughs> yeah, like a I knew you would be. All right. I'm ready. I'm ready. Oh, immediately it's sour.
0: Oh, and it's real gushy. I have a texture thing. I have a texture <laughs> problem. This is not a fun game. With the beans, at least I know what texture I'm getting. I can handle the different flavors, but ma'am. Oh. It's so sour and it's got something in it. Quit handing me my empty water mug, you demon creature. It is so sour. I'm not joking. It is wicked sour. Honey Dukes are crackpots. Stop handing me my empty water mug. Ah. <laughs> oh. General says, oh, man, you do not want to mess with fairies. You're about to get
1: kidnapped by them. That is so sour. So what was that one, then?
3: The brain child of a a, a dragon eel.
0: (laughs) <laughs> dragon eel brain problem. child <laughs> That's great. Um Manu says, "Do you have any of the collectible cards from the chocolate frogs?" I do in fact. Who got me that? Who got me the chocolate frog?
3: Albus Dumbledore.
0: Albus Dumbledore sent me some chocolate sent me a chocolate frog. Um all right, I think one more? Yeah. The first one was okay. The texture was was rough that second one it was like the texture of a marshmallow but imagine a marshmallow if when you bit into it it didn't it didn't your teeth didn't go through it they just kept going into it like a like a memory foam marshmallow <laughs> and then on the inside of it had a delightful incredibly sour incredibly sour reservoir of terrible all right let's do one more of these things these things are designed to be candy these are the things are designed to be real life candy and Truly, I would not eat that if it were the only dessert left in the house and I had been on keto for months. <sighs> One more. Oh, they're making my breath bad. Honey Dukes is
1: stupid. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do it. I think, I feel like the longer she takes to show you, the worse it's going to be. That one should be okay it feels like it feels like it's gonna be the same
0: texture as the first one like if you made a gummy bear chalky <laughs> It's
3: real.
0: general says so it's a turkish delight then i've had turkish delight i've had a couple of different versions of it some are great some were not so much um dinelli is wondering where do you get the beans i still haven't been into this thing because i have fear
3: honey dukes Obviously
1: <laughs> Don't expect Rachel to break character hair She's a professional
3: Yes
0: and you've taken up method acting have you not?
3: I have Um, Before I took on the role of the mermaid I took a quiz on Playbuzz.com to see um Sponsor To see if <laughs> What kind of mermaid I was And I was an angel mermaid
1: This is my angel mermaid sister Rachel Does this for visibility. Okay, that one was not terrible. Yeah, that was. That one was okay.
0: A little on the sour side, but I would call it much like closer to an actual strawberry than like a strawberry flavored thing. If you want to be in this frame right now, you can be if you want that.
3: <laughs> I, keep, first one- I keep turning it and she keep <laughs> The first one was it was a heart shape. It was a heart shape, however it was the liver of a fairy. The second mm-hmm. one was um Shape of a volcano. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was the brainchild. It was the brainchild of a dragon eagle.
0: Which makes me feel bad now that I ate it.
3: And then the last one. It was a bad
0: (laughs) brainchild. It was a brainchild about something
1: terrible. Yeah,
3: it was bad. (laughs) And then um, the last one was. It was okay. It was the shape of a strawberry. Okay. However, it was the.
1: Was it like um, the soul of a strawberry?
3: It was the footprint of the um
1: do it shoot your shot it was
3: was the footprint of the mouse who ate the big red rice strawberry the red
0: rice strawberry of course
3: so it tastes like strawberry
0: that makes sense it makes sense to me
3: it's fine that's good
0: we're going with it this is the wizarding world of harry potter not the perfectly logical straight-lined world of harry potter I hope you all have had a great night. (laughs) This has been fascinating. Rachel, again, thank you so much for all of your support throughout all this. I very much appreciate you keeping me going, especially when I didn't have anybody else here to do so Um, on here. um, Of course, I would like to thank Cassidy and my mom, Nate, Michaela, everyone else for uh, helping me get where I am, and uh, all of you wonderful people.
1: Uh, for uh, joining me here along the way. Get that, taking that book down? What's the, what book is it? Good night. <laughs> <It's a special laughs> biography. Good night, everybody. Have a great week. I'll be posting
0: throughout uh, the coming week to keep you guys updated on what time we're going to be doing things. But uh, thank you so much for watching. I love you. Stay fabulous.
3: <laughs> you <laughs>